You are listening to Something Rather Than Nothing. Creator and host, Ken Vellante. Editor and producer, Peter Bauer. This is Ken Vellante with the Something Rather Than Nothing podcast, and I am super excited to have the creator of uh, Upstate Comic, uh, Stephen Pelnat, here on the show. Welcome, Stephen. Hey, thank you for having me. It was great to see you at the Rose City Comic Con, and one of the fun parts about a Comic Con is uh, uh, bumping into some stuff maybe you haven't picked up. I saw, I saw, I think it was issue two of Upstate Comic um, at Floating World Comics. Yes. And uh, when when you see someone at Floating World Comics, uh, you take note. You remember the image, and and I had so um, it was great to meet you. But uh, tell us, tell us, uh, tell us about what you do. Tell us about uh, Upstate. Let's jump into it. I will. Yeah, I'll, I'll start by additionally uh, throwing some glow on Floating World. Jason is such a great guy, and he's always been a really big supporter of mine. And uh, yeah, Floating World is a spectacular culture shock here in uh, Portland, Oregon. Well worth the visit if you get in there. It is, they're, they're not paying me for this, to be clear. I just really love Floating World. and I'll be I don't there get later. paid for it either. Yeah, yeah. I don't get paid for it either. This is Floating World stuff. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Just really love just really love what they do. And uh, I'm I'm grateful that they're they've cornered that market. But I wish there was one. I wish there was a Floating World in every city. Anyway. Yeah. 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 So upstate. Um, I am from upstate New York originally, a little town in the Hudson Valley called Stuyvesant. The uh, fictional Heinrichville is a thinly veiled version of that. Heinrich, Hudson, Peter, Stuyvesant, like just kind of a, you know, the, the, the sort of silliness. I One of those things that I sort of wish I hadn't done now was naming it that. I should have just named it the real place. There's no, <laughs> it, there was, there, no one cares. Stuyvesant has a town of like, uh, a town of maybe 2,000 people maybe 10 of whom have read upstate. I don't think anyone would really have cared if I just called it Stuyvesant, but um, yeah. So upstate let's, let's start heavy upstate was inspired when my uncle Eric died of all the cancer you could possibly imagine six or seven years ago. I didn't immediately artistically process that. I little things began showing up the, uh, you know, the, the, the tube in one's nose to kind of assist with breathing that started being something I would just sketch around. You know, I, I did not make it to my uncle's funeral. I was living out here in Oregon at that point, And I've felt bad about that ever since he is the direct visual and kind of comprehensive, um, inspiration for Ryan's father in upstate. Part of that is my own regret. Part of it is also just being a guy in his mid thirties who's aware that his parents are getting older. Like this is something that I yeah, think about yeah. a lot. Upstate began as a, I think unpublished. I'm pretty sure I never published it anywhere. There was a little seven page story I did that had some of the characters in it. Definitely not all of them. Ryan was there, but she looked really different. Her mom and dad were there. Their designs have probably changed the least, but, uh, Amanda wasn't there. Sam wasn't there. Luke wasn't there. None of that was there. It was just like this, this weird sort of frictionless vibe comic about going back home because your father is dying. And I don't know. I did that one in 2020 when I hadn't really published a lot of comics for a long time. Quite honestly, I, I fell out of the industry for a number of years because I'm from New York. I was living in Brooklyn until I was almost 30 and I was just trying to keep my head above water. I was not, yeah. I, I was unsuccessfully trying to do that. And Upstate has changed quite a bit from when I began it. This, the origin of the story is going home to help care for your dying parents, just like this ticking time bomb on the story that is going to happen. Tom is going to die. That's just the, there's no two ways about it. But when I began writing it, the Ryan character was, very much inspired by my sister, but also by me in a lot of ways. Like she, mm-hmm. you know, a, a monkey of myself and other people in my life. She, she drinks too much. She makes poor decisions. She's a millennial in 2018 with no savings. You know, she's been working mm-hmm. a series of dead end bar jobs, which not to brag, I still do. And, um, you know, but it's changed a lot since then because 
the series began in late 2021. So I'm nearing the uh, I'm nearing the two year mark on this thing, about 200 pages into it, which for needing a day job or two the entire time I've been producing it, I can't kick myself too hard for no, no, only having impressive. that much done. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you. But it's changed quite a bit in that time. It's become less about the dread of, of loss and more about just living trying to live conscientiously in the time that you have with the understanding that there is no God, there is no accountant, no one is keeping track of what you do, but that cuts positively and negatively. Not only is there not going to be a punishment for the bad things you've done, but there you've done, but there is no undoing the bad things you've done either. Like mm-hmm. the language that we so frequently use, I'm not that person anymore. Yes, you are you are still the same person who did all of those appalling things. You, mm-hmm. it, it's, it, you're, not, you're not required to have kindness for the version of you that did those things. That's still you. It's all on the, con, it's all on the continuum of who you are. And that's, that's something that I really try to explore a lot in Upstate. Like there's a, um, the third book has her father kind of trying to reclaim autonomy and masculinity. And we see a more aggressive part of him than we've seen before. And of course, you know, it culminates in him not being able to have sex with his wife because the cancer has rotted him from the inside and nearly crashing his daughter's car and then puking on her. It's just like this very pitiful exploration of what this guy's belief in masculinity is. But yeah, I mean, the, the book has evolved quite a bit i'm really excited for the next the next uh little bit here and i've been talking straight for like five minutes apologies hey i asked you to drop in on on upstate i i i i love it uh the three issues uh that are out um love the art style and there's something about that story you know the the land that we're talking about that i think that you go in of uh you know that 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 real life that dropped you in the uncomfortable witnessing the uncomfortable and and, and and dealing with that. Um I'm originally from Rhode Island. So for oh, me yeah. the upstate the upstate thing just works for me in the metaphorical tick. I don't know if it works everybody for um Pacific Northwest, but I just think upstate as this the, the idea, right? The upstate New York, right? Like and for me being from Rhode Island, tiny state and that that might have been the other side of the country from my little sure. world you know, growing up in, 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 in new England. And, um, yeah, so just great work in, 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 everybody, um, uh, floating world comics, uh, publisher, distributor. Um, I've had a couple folks, uh, uh, Santos sisters, uh, does a Santos sisters comic, uh, yeah, Greg they're and great. Fake. They've, been, they've been on the show and, um, oh, nice. so yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, yeah, I've never actually some... met them. I've like had limited online interactions with them, but they're great. Yeah, great, great folks. Uh, and for everybody uh, who does read Santos Sisters, the Halloween special has a special uh, something rather than uh, nothing ad in there. Oh, no well. kidding. That's and awesome. They, yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty fun stuff. Pretty good. Uh, uh, pretty good funny book fun here. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, so Stephen, like, you, you, you know, you're working hard. You're doing uh, jobs. You mentioned teaching, mm-hmm. bartending, and, 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 and arts. Uh, Arts uh, can be a beast unto itself. Um, hmm. You know, like you gotta, you gotta love, you gotta love it to fit it in and to do the amount of work that you've been doing on on, on this great on this great comic. Let uh, tell me, tell me, getting involved in this. What what is art for you? I mean, like, like what, like what drives you with this stuff? A lot of different things. Um, I, as I as I mentioned earlier, I, I sort of fell out of art for a number of years, just trying to keep my head above water. Living in uh, Brooklyn until Brooklyn. I was nearly living thirty. Living in Brooklyn, yeah. Brooklyn, yep. yeah. You bet. Yeah, still miss it all the time. Um, I moved out here with my wife back in 2015. I've been here for about eight years now, and uh, yeah, what is what is art for me? It's on on one level when I was a younger person, it was an academic pursuit that I think I believed foolishly would also yield me and no one else money. I thought that it was going to be something that I would put creative coins into this machine and financial rewards would come out because I was the best artist in a small town, you know? And that was, uh, that's not 
that's not a significant thing to be in the world. Not really. I mean, no, nothing against the best artist in small towns. It's great to be the best at something. But um, mm -hmm. what it has become for me in recent years is self-communication, external communication as well. But the Ryan character, the sort of lead, the protagonist of Upstate, she is an iterative version of a lot of things I dislike about myself. Like speaking about what is art specifically with Upstate, this is this is a communication with a version of me that I don't care for. This is a uh, this is this is someone who, not simply a version of me, but you mentioned bartending. She is that person who comes to the bar that I honestly have a great deal of contempt for. She is just like. She, she's this person who here comes the mess. Yeah, kind of, you know, here comes the, uh, here, here comes the person who the only thing she's been living for is the next drink. And I should say, this is not to be shitty about anyone who likes to drink. I have historically liked to drink. A lot of this is my own sordid history as someone who used to drink a lot, but, um, yeah, I, I probably come off a little prudish in this, uh, at least in judgment of her. But art in this way is kind of an Ouroboros of internal and external communication. I have found that with the reactions that I've had to upstate, the more granular I get with these experiences, either things that I have experienced or specifically in upstate, a lot of things I haven't. I, I'm writing from perspectives which are not my own, which... I find that to be a really I find that to be a really appealing thing to do. There's a reason I'm working in kind of adult literary fiction rather than memoir. Like I don't yeah, consider yeah. my own perspective even filtered through the sort of semi-fictional gauze that all memoir work sort of naturally has to go through. I just don't consider my own perspective to be that interesting or engaging. So I think art is that too. Art is trying to see through eyes that aren't my own. That's narrative art specifically, which is what I do. Yeah, there yeah. are obviously a million other kinds. For me, it's just a, uh, it's, it's, it's the way that I am best equipped to communicate with the world around me and to communicate with myself, to understand other people by writing people who I would not like if I met them in person and trying to find the things that are contradictory about them, you know, like the things that the, uh, the Luke character who, uh, you know, no spoilers, I suppose, but he, he does <laughs> something pretty appalling at the end of the first issue. There is a, an issue, an issue, uh, coming up that focuses exclusively on Luke. The, uh, the, the reader's eye does not leave him for a moment. He's the central character of that. And you're going to see kindnesses that he does. You're going to see ways that he's, that, that he tries to do the job that he has in a way that does the least amount of harm. And none of that erases that he did this awful thing in the first issue. I, I really, I want art to be able to hold those contradictory thoughts in its head. Like the reader will always be aware that he did those things. Nothing he's doing now undoes that. That's a, that that's, that's something that is very appealing to me about that. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, Stephen, before we got on, you uh, you had mentioned uh, I was we were just, just chatting a bit about uh, illustration yeah. and and you mentioned a quote by Art Spiegelman uh, that really oh, stuck sure. out for me. I wonder if you could tell to tell the listeners that one. Yeah, I should say this is going to be a paraphrase. I don't remember the exact quote. They but, all are on pod. Yeah, they all yeah. are on podcast. Don't worry about it. <laughs> sure, yeah, just big believer in transparency. Um, Art Spiegelman said something to the effect of comics are the language of dreams, which I think is kind of true. Not in the sense that they're like wacky and covered in like spiral candy striping, but in the way that inherently what you're looking at is abstract. You are reading something, but what you're looking at is lines or color on paper. The visual vocabulary of comics is dream logic. It's all made of things that aren't really there. And, but it's, you know, it's also, it's also personal and emotional assemblages of things that you've experienced or things that you'd want to experience or things you wouldn't want to experience. Like it's all, it's all being filtered in this highly abstract way into 
typically, at least in my work, something a little more representational. Like my influences tend to be across the board, like all kinds of people like Gary Panter is one of my favorite artists. I don't draw much like Gary Panter. Gary Panter is probably one of the best examples of comics as the language of dreams. If you haven't read Jimbo in Purgatory or Jimbo's Inferno out there, that that that's one of the amazing. Yeah. yeah, He's, he was one of my teachers at SVA. He's an incredible guy. Ah. Yeah. Just really a fascinating dude. Loves art. Liked being a teacher at the time. I don't know. I haven't spoken to him in years. I'm not sure where his mind is these days, but yeah, yeah, great guy. Also just a spectacular example of that. Same with the Fort Thunder crowd. Same with, uh, Spiegelman himself, I think for sure. But you know, or John Stanley, Little Lulu, any of that stuff. Like this is all just kind of it's it's all visual dream language. Yeah, I love I love that. It it really helped me. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, ever since I was really young, uh, comics are like like super important for me. And it, there's something about the way you described it, which for me is kind of like that quick path I enter, which is uh, which is into that world that is dreamlike. Um, and one of the things I noticed more recently, like I would always be like reader, reader, read the content, but now I've noticed myself over a lot of time, just feeling myself with the colors and the space and, in in the mood, like entering into it. And I'm not sure if everybody can do that with comics, but if you can, and if that's what happens, that dream is like what we're talking about. I'm being like, yeah. Hey, Steven, like, you know, like in this world, it's really, it's really quite amazing. Yeah, I. this is maybe one of the more challenging things about being a professional cartoonist making comics to be read. I'm not sure that I really understand how people read comics. Do you know what I mean? Like, I understand uh-huh. that people read I do in, know what you like, mean. in like the, the way that you read English text on the page, kind of like going uh, doing the Z pattern across the page. I am not sure that people are doing anything more than just like lingering on the words for the time it takes to read them and sort of letting the images sort of peripherally penetrate if at all, or vice versa. Ideally you want some nice middle ground. One of the ways that (laughs) I, I, one of the ways I attempt to tease that out maybe unsuccessfully. I don't know. My lettering tends to be pretty dynamic compared to, uh, a yeah, lot of yeah. other, not not to say that they're bad letterers, but my lettering tends to be a little more explosive and a little more, uh, yeah, a little more. I I really am not trying to disparage anybody else by saying this. I use more illustrative, emotionally designed lettering than sure. some artists might choose to, because I like the lettering to be every bit as evocative as what's in the pictures that you're looking at. I, think. I like and that. That's, I like that. Yeah. yeah. And I, I should say a lot of the lettering tricks that I've learned have been from awful sources like Dave Sim, who is an incredible letterer and just a truly wretched person. But um, yes, yeah. yes, <laughs> I don't know if I have that on 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 uh, record, but it's it's certainly true. It's certain it's one of those art, you know, viewing the art and the, the separation type of thing there with Sim for sure. Well, it's with him, it's borderline impossible his his views on whether or not women should be allowed in university or able to vote in canadian elections became the text of cerebus for the last 10 years that he was writing the book it's he makes it impossible to separate the art from the artist and uh yeah i i I think i i think i think you're right and i had read some of the early stuff and uh and uh, with sim is like it was it was deep in there and it stuck out as bizarre. Like yes. early on when I, when I look at it and I'm like, like it makes, it's weird. It's, it kind of makes sense to read some of that shit now, like <laughs> in the way the political <laughs> climate is. But like, I look at some of those old issues. I'm like, what the hell is this guy popping off? Of? Like, what is this nonsense? Like, yeah, I mean, anyways. he, he's a guy who had a, not, I mean, as well publicized in a self-published comic as you can be, I guess. A well-publicized mental break in the mid-80s. He found a version of God that I don't think makes a lot of sense to most people. Something that, you know, I'm not even going to try to summarize Dave Sims' views because I don't want to give him that much airtime. No. If you're interested, people who are listening, there is a great deal of writing on Dave Sim. Most of it is rightfully very condemning of his views and his 
basically Dave Sim has a view of the world where women are voids and men are light and women are the voids trying to consume that light. Men are providers, women are takers. It's an extremely retrograde view, which would not be out of place on something like Louder with Crowder or InfoWars, but he's yeah, sort of... Yeah, that's uh, what I mean, yeah. Yeah, he... He's sort of on an island of his own. It's it, the, probably the kindest thing I can say about his views is that he's alone out there. I don't think anyone has really rallied around him the way that they have these other sort of canceled figures in the past. He he did it to himself far too early. Cerebus ended in like 2004 or something like that. It's And he's kind of a forgotten figure now and probably rightly well, so. Uh, well, and comics are different. I think comics are different now too. If 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 you go to a comic store, I mean, just as far as maybe more of the the stories that are being told, and those stories have always been there in comics. Yes. It might have been really difficult to find that underground comic or what the hell store do I have to go to New York City to <laughs> get it? But 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 the but the right exactly. But the culture and 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 what you see there uh, for me is really expansive. Is is a really expansive area of independent yes. publishers and voices, and I don't see that in other art forms and other places. So no. it's like that's that's the beauty and the glory about what we're talking about here. You know what I mean? Like the I agree the incredibly male comic world of the past, which has its elements in geek culture. Sure. Has been blasted at for as long as I can remember. Um, it has. And I, I think it's across the board a positive. Like two of the best shows I did this year were uh, the Toronto Comics and Art Festival and SPX. SPX is like the venerable, you know, U.S. small press expo. Probably my favorite show. Like, I, I just love it. It's great. The the makeup of the artist's the artist tables at SPX and TCAF are so different now than they used to be. And I think it's nothing but positive, you know, like comics has always had people who feel marginalized or on the outside, rightfully or wrongly in the last 10, 15, 20 years, you've seen that be pushed to a degree that th this culture, which has grown enormously is one of the most inclusive cultures I can think of inclusive kind of media cultures, I should say. I, I, I agree. Of. I yeah. agree. And I think it's nothing but positive. Like, these are voices that were not receiving legitimate publication 10 years ago. You know, these are, these are people who, even someone huge like Simon Hanselman probably wouldn't have been published by a legitimate publisher 15 years ago because he often wears women's clothing. You know, like, and that is... the. Right. The, 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 and the, there are plenty of issues there aside from that. But that level of. Again, I'm not to not to repeat myself, it's much more inclusive now than it ever used to be. The when I went to like New York Comic Con as a kid, it was just tired old white guys who needed to go back to their drawing tables when they were done you know, tabling and making two hundred dollars selling sketches of Spider-Man's mask or whatever. Like it's, it's, it, it's not like that anymore. You have fig, you yeah. have figures and groups represented in the comic scene that they've always been there to a greater or lesser extent, but now it's much greater. And I think comics are a lot healthier for that. I think that, yeah. you know, some basic rules of comics haven't changed. Like when you go to these shows, it's the old joke of like all the artists are passing around the same $20 bill to buy each other's new book there's still no money in it at all, but there's, you know, <laughs> there, there are still, uh, it's, it's still significantly better than it was in terms of just the way it looks now. I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's nice. It's nice to chat about that. And I found that, um, I found that, uh, being in, I'm um, being in Portland, uh, mm -hmm. Right. And in and, and near Portland and being in the Pacific Northwest and thinking like Seattle, Fantagraphics, the amount of zines and small press. One of oh, the yeah. things that's great was greatly improved. I don't know. Maybe it's just me as I've gone along or stopping and looking at things. But as I've done the podcast and dropped into comics, dropped into zines and all this stuff, it's so exciting to me. And it's just something I think I would have walked past certain things in the past in the past. But there's. 
like these gems, you know, as a, as a comics guy, like, you know, yeah. Oh, you know, you find something right there. And I didn't know somebody was making this garbage pail kids crossover with this type of thing, but I needed it. <laughs> oh, and yeah. There it was right there. Oh yeah. Um, so it's, no, it's, it's, great. it's, it's I wanted to. Uh, we're doing some. We're doing some philosophy here. I'm gonna hit the. I'm gonna. Sure. Uh, I'm gonna throw the 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 big uh, big question at you. Um, oh god. Just to take it a little 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 curveball here. We're talking comics right. with Stephen in upstate New York, and we're talking about all, uh, all this great stuff. But why is there something rather than nothing? Why is there something rather than nothing? I knew this question was coming, and I. <laughs> All right, let me. You're in the same spot everybody is. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'll tell you one thing uh, before I, before I let you go on the question. I gave, and I'm not going to do this for you. Every once in a while, I give one guest. Uh, I got the um, uh, ice from American Gladiators, uh, the okay. original ice from the American Gladiators show, and because of uh, her strength and and other things, I said, "You can answer the question." Or, or you could tell me to fuck off, Ken. You could say <laughs> fuck off, Ken. And she um she answered the question, added a little bit more, and then told me to fuck off. So <laughs> the question is kind of like that. But why is there something rather than nothing? I, I kind of appreciate that as an answer, though, where you can both answer the question and have it be equally valid to say, like, but also. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have that merit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, why is there something rather than nothing? I do not believe in a divine creator. I do not really think that there's anything more than this. I don't think that's a bad thing. I, I take some, you know, upstate, as I've previously mentioned, is largely about death. Everything I've ever done is kind of about death. And I, I, my strongest suspicion is that at the end, it's three, two, one lights out. That's it. And, yeah, yeah. uh, yeah. You know, I, I I could be wrong. We're all gonna find out the same way. I don't I, I don't have an answer to that. There's um why is there something rather than nothing? Well it's hard to it's hard to take an answer to that question that isn't very present tense. You know, like there's mm -hmm. a uh yeah. the the way that I'm thinking about it is because it's here. Because the for for the same reason that I find anti-trans rhetoric on the part of far-right conservatives completely intellectually dishonest, it exists. It's here. Yep. You can't act yep. as though it's not there at all. Like, I don't have this... You can't pretend that it's invalid. It is here. It's... Yeah. Why, why is there something? Because we interact with it. Because we legitimize it by moving through the world and interacting with each other. I, I assume that's true on a molecular or an atomic level as well, because all things are interaction, because there's no such thing as survival of the fittest. It's survival of the most successfully collaborative. I, that, that, yeah. would probably be, that would probably be my answer, because it, it, it's all like we, we are all pieces of an engine that is essentially self-sustaining. I, I think that would probably be the answer. It, it, it is here rather than nothing because we're using it. I, 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 no, I, I like, I like your answer a lot. A lot of times don't get into the, the interactivity of it. And, and, and by interactivity, I mean like, uh, phenomena and people and like how that, how that creates, how that creates the reality. Yeah. The question is the questions, all the, the questions, um, the question's a goofy one, and particularly when you talk about the creator, because I'm, I'm agnostic uh, uh, sure. myself. The something, the something rather than nothing question for me, um, is uh, the way I like to kick it around is like tied to creation, and thinking about like that we're creating these incredible things. I if underlying it, you know, godlike power, right? To 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 create, but um, the. Uh, the somethingness, I, I, I go along with you. The somethingness is like there, right? It's like it's a presence. It's a reality. And uh, that's what we're in, you know? And, yeah, um, pretty much. That's uh, why I said it was hard to think of the answer as anything other than present tense. You know, it's like you can't pull same... yourself out of it. Right. Or I mean, yeah, I, no, you really can't. It's all it's all just actions within a limited expansive wildly expansive but still limited number of actions that you can take i think like it's uh 
there there is a limit to what you can do and the final thing of course is die but it's a uh, you know that's i don't know i i take agnostic is probably how it would be more accurate to describe me when i say i don't believe in a creator i am not christopher hitchens aggressively opposed to the idea that one could exist i i recognize that the idea of god or an afterlife or something greater than this world has made life more tolerable for the vast majority of poor bastards who've ever been alive on this planet so <laughs> here you, yeah. you know and there there is also kind of off topic there is also a part of me that i i had this drunk revelation years ago like i'm privileged enough to not need god my life doesn't suck that much you know like i I don't need an afterlife to look forward to where my suffering is rewarded. I'm a tall, reasonably handsome looking white guy. The world was made for me. Like I am. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I'm playing yeah. the game on easy mode, as they say, like it is yeah. the, the travails that I am personally dealing with are nothing. It, you know, Jason Isbell has that song relatively easy compared to folks on a on a global scale. Our kind has had it relatively easy. Like, yeah, no shit. It's absolutely true. And yeah, yeah, it's yeah, compassion. Thinking in terms of compassion in in uh, you know just the others. No, I I view for myself. You know, I I I you know I studied philosophy at the university, and uh, you know the. It, it's my relationship with the God question is strange because I'm, I'm, I'm agnostic and not being able to, uh, uh, to answer. I, I, um, politically I'm an atheist cause I don't sure. want to fucking deal with it. Well, like, Chomsky, <laughs> like, like Noam, Ch Noam Chomsky is like, like politically I want, I, I don't like, I am an atheist for the purposes of, uh, positioning against, sure the the fact that our moral code is driven in social policy by well anyways were you um, raised but, in the church i was raised roman catholic uh total okay. rhode island total rhode you know rhode island maybe over 80 percent roman catholic uh, a lot That's of really catholic a lot of catholic immigrants now i'll tell you something Stephen. uh so catholic where i grew up in Pawtucket that i was i my parents moved uh to a, a white suburb where I went to the high school. Sure. And somebody, somebody told me they were Protestant. I didn't know what that was. <laughs> like, I'm a, like, I'm a, I'm a smart guy. And I was like sure. 15 or 16. I thought they said communist or they were from another <laughs> country. I mean, it's super, super Catholic. So I, I grew so up with that. Because you, 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 yeah. you're, not, you're not that much older than me either. It's just these weird geographical things. Like, so I, I kind of have, I'm turning this around. I kind of have questions for you. You were grown up, you yeah, yeah. grew up Roman Catholic. Do you yeah. find that that sense of guilt, that weight of original sin, is that something that you carry with you as an ag agnostic philosopher? Uh, absolutely. I, one of, one of the things, uh, within, uh, I, I've, I've thought about Roman Catholicism actively outside of just rejection and all that stuff when I was younger, like actively about what it is as part of my being, right? Like, uh, yeah. why is it once in a while I'll go to church without a hint of irony? I'll go to Catholic mass without irony. Why, why are these things uh, happen? I want to tell you one big piece for me because strangely enough, time, uh, Tying my spiritual path in New England, there's a very important author and philosopher and thinker who's deeply influenced me is uh, Jack Kerouac. Oh yeah, of course. And and yeah. and, and with with Kerouac, he was like deeply raised in almost like a mystical uh, French uh, immigrant peasant Catholicism. Uh, I think it would be and, fair and to call it like Gnostic occult almost. It was like almost, from what I know right? Yeah. And, and and that heavy influence of the mother and such like that. Yes. He goes out, he goes out and he does his thing and he goes on his quest and he gets all the way out to Big Sur. And when he's 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 converted and he's preaching the Buddhist Dharma. Yeah. I've read his stuff and I've studied Buddhism. The guy fucking understood it in his bones to me. Yeah. And his journey, of course, you know, with the alcoholism and towards the end, I can understand that Kerouac at the end 
is proficient he was within the Buddhism, he ends up dying and praying to Mother Mary. Yeah. He ends up, and I understand maybe it's the predominance of the culture of Roman Catholicism or how it's like, I don't know what this is, and I don't think these hands are together for a God. Mm. But this is what I know. This is what my aunties would do, and they put their yeah. hands together, and I, I don't know what else to do. That type of desperate uh, yeah. piece to it is something with it. Tell me more. That's so me, interesting. Tell me, tell me your thoughts. Uh, well, to uh, I'll, I'll turn it back on myself for a second. I was raised Lutheran, which is kind of like the, the Catholicism of Protestants. You know, it's yes, some, yes. I, I didn't really realize this until I was a little bit older. And I also had the benefit of being from upstate New York, which, you know, it's a fairly conservative provincial place where I grew up, but it's not far from New York. It's not far from the Canadian border. It was right. predominantly white, but religiously a bit more diverse up there. One of my closest friends is Jewish. Half, like not half, but a significant number of the kids I went to school with were Jewish. A lot of the people I knew okay. were Catholic. Some people were Baptists, Episcopalians, etc. It was not homogenous. Lutheran is a particularly humorless and prescriptive and severe version of Christianity. Catholics have the option to confess. There is some built-in human merit in the idea that you are an imperfect being and you can confess to your creator what you have done, repeat your mantras that might keep you clean for the day, and kind of go on with your life. Lutheranism does not have that. You are eternally inadequate in Lutheranism, which I think is actually kind of a healthy mentality, separate from the uh, separate from any of the Christ of it all. But yeah, uh, it's that's something that I, I I've heard about Kerouac, you know, praying to Mother Mary and God on his way out. That makes sense to me. It's scary. It's it, it's the it's the last thing you're ever going to experience. You look for some kind of comfort. You know, it's uh, it's people saying "Oh, mama, oh, mama" as they're dying on the battlefield. You know, it's I, I it makes sense to me. Like I said, I have no particular judgment for believers at all. I think that I think that belief in a higher power makes a certain amount of sense. And as someone who is who has said all of the things that I've said up to this point in this interview, when my time comes, I don't know if I'm not going to be saying our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I don't know that I'm not going to do that. Those things are in there. The things that you get when you're young, my work is not particularly Christian, but it does. I think that there is a lapsed version of it. It's absence is notable in a lot of ways, but I don't know. It's, um, that's a tough one to answer. And uh, thanks for talking about yourself there, too. I, I, I always have this thing on the rare occasion that I'm interviewed where I feel like I'm monopolizing the conversation, even though I was asked to be I've, spoken to. But, I, uh, uh, no, no, I, I, I love to kick it. I love to kick it around, too. And um, yeah. I think a lot about that stuff, you know, and uh, I, I think about uh, how I've ended up interacting uh with with Catholicism and in Christianity. And I think one of the strange parts about me um if folks close to me know about it is uh, I have this weird type of thing where I've um, I've studied it enough or I have enough like traditional training and type of things or, 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 or I've just kept going as an agnostic and still be interested in it where I end up like out arguing like believers all the time. Like I, I, I like I can't not arguing against them, but mm. talking about the, the, the imploring like parts of like the history or the message. And it's still, I'm talking a foreign language. It's sure. really interesting. I think the, um, uh, what I would say, uh, uh, ultimately here, the, like the intellectual relationship for believers, right? Um, like how are you engaging with like you or I, we're like, trying to figure all these type of things out. And sometimes if you look at the, the quiet believer with the idolatry, just waltzing down the street, you'd be like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. It ain't that easy. It ain't that easy. It's not, but I think for some people it is. And that's, I don't know. I found myself thinking a lot about that over the last couple American election cycles. You know, obviously we had, uh, we had Trump in 2016 and we had, 
a far closer election than we should have had in 2020. And, you know, um, just the, the way that, and I'm not speaking specifically or solely about the sort of far right, you know, earth is 6,000 years old. Jerusalem will be the battlefield of the return of Christ, ultra conservative types that I, I, I still consider that group larger than it should be to be relatively fringe to most community understandings of individual relationship with the divine. There is, however, a version of the moderate and their place with that, with, with, with the divine that I find troubling in a lot of ways where the rules are set. People are where they're supposed to be. God is on his throne. All is right with the world. Amen. I just don't know how you can view the world that way ever. Yeah. Really? Like yeah. I don't yeah. like the, as the best of all possible worlds, like Voltaire wrote that as a joke. That is not a, that is not an attainable thing. <laughs> it's a, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I, it's tough because I knew, okay. You know, I knew I was coming on a podcast about philosophy. I should say I have a very lay, largely unacademic understanding of philosophy. I studied a little bit in college because I was in college and that's when people who are studying art do that kind of thing, you know? Hey, and, uh, that's how we get you. We get yep, you. You got to take get... one of those. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting though. I mean, I, I'm not opposed to God or a divine creator of some sort fitting into your life. And then, I don't know. I was in Japan earlier this year. We took our first international trip, my wife and I ever, and it was incredible not only because Japan is an 8,000-year-old culture and here in a nation in its infancy slash death throes, it's it's strange to look at something where tradition and modernity coexist in that way. But the yeah, relationship yeah. of Shinto in everyday life was fascinating. You know, people will go to their shrines, they will throw in their coin. I'm not going to imitate it because I don't want to be offensive. But, you know, there's like a sort of little clapping ritual, lowering your head to have your thought with this parallel version of the spiritual world. It doesn't seem above in the same way that Christian dogma does. It seems more like it's there, but just on the periphery of your vision, but then you just go on with your day. That's really interesting to me. Now that said, this was as someone who is an American tourist observing what appears to be a more casual relationship with religion than we have in this country. I am certain I am wrong about that. I'm sure there are Shinto fundamentalists or something like that, or, you know, Shinto non-believers. Any number of humanity contains multitudes. I'm sure there is as much diversity within Shinto as there is within Christianity. I just didn't I, I don't have the academic background to recognize that, but it is very interesting to me. It's really a uh, it's something that I hadn't really seen expressed in American culture. We don't have a public and private version of religion here. It's one or the other. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I hadn't thought about it. I hadn't thought about it that way. Uh, yeah. Good, good, great to hear about uh, your trip um, uh, to Japan, a, a country I'm, 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 I'm fascinated with. And uh, for us uh, comic guys, we appreciate that they are tapped into uh, – that that comic book geek culture there too, yeah and, and uh, do it so well god it's uh, I, I wish we had that market here just it's so normal to read manga there everyone does it it's great it's <laughs> it's so cool it's changed it's it's been amazing to see the changes culturally here i view yeah uh, i view a lot of the uh art objects music food whatever is potential uh cultural contacts in a world which sometimes screams it doesn't want to come in contact with each other so for sure music yeah. those manga and those books um all right so steven uh i uh we've been we've been chatting philosophy and and art in upstate i want you to let the listeners know where to where to find your stuff where we, we, we talk floating world um yeah uh molly uh your partner the the does some 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 art yes lead us lead us into the future all right. I'll start with Molly. My wife, Molly DeShane, does a terrific autobio comic called Unpopular Before It Was Cool, all spelled exactly like it sounds. You can find it online. She's got a website. She's got an Instagram presence. It's really fun. And you can see my dick in there. So you can look at that. 
And uh, <laughs> but, well, that's that's uh, yeah. the, that's part of the artistic license. Yeah. I don't negotiate you're, what goes on there. Nope. So <laughs> you're not you're not going to see it in my work. So you can see it in Molly's. And uh, <laughs> you can find my work if you're listening in Portland. Floating World Books with Pictures. Uh, I need to restock Cosmic Monkey, but those guys, uh, all the sort of micro press indie short stores out here, will carry my stuff. It's available most places in the U.S. now in limited numbers. It's now at the Beguiling in Canada. Uh, if you have a local comic book store and you don't have it, request it. Retailers are significantly better for me than people who buy them specifically from me because retailers will buy multiple copies and then people who are not coming directly to me will see it. I should say my name is spelled weird, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, last name, P E. L-L-N-A-T. And you can also just get my comics on my website, www.stephenpelnat.com. There are three numbered issues, too many comics, about 200 pages of upstate content so far. And next year, we'll see how true this winds up being because I still have three jobs. But I'm hoping to transition the comic to a roughly bi-monthly schedule. Shorter installments released every two months or so, maybe quarterly, I've given myself a fair amount of lead time to get started on getting them ready to hit the presses next year, but any number of things can happen in a year. You never know, but there will be significantly more upstate content coming out next year. Awesome. Everybody, check out uh, Upstate. I was lucky enough to meet Steven at the Rose City Comic Con. Got those uh, three issues. Also got a, a Molly wasn't there, but I also got a signed uh, a signed copy of of her zine. I don't know if Molly knows that, that there's a, a ghost signer out there. Yeah. If, if you didn't, Molly, now you know you're you. I requested a, a ghost signed copy. What can I do? Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, love, love, love the, love the material. And, and seriously, if you're a, if you're new to comics or a comics lover, you know, uh, talk to your store, talk to your store, tell them uh, you heard about the upstate comic and, and um, yeah, they'll get a few copies and that's how, look, you, you and I, Steven, we know this, you go to the comic book store for the, for, for some of the books that you want and you got the time, you look all around and say, well, let's look at that one. Oh, look at that one. And that's kind of how it, it seems to work. Um, yeah. You know, that's how you find, how you find the new stuff. So um, really appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, I'll throw one last plug in for Floating World. Floating World has an awesome staff. They always have really terrific ex- uh, recommendations. Pretty good friends with Tim and Sam over there. They both have excellent taste, and you should definitely, if you're in Portland, and if you're not, if you're visiting Portland, come visit. It's not as bad as Fox News says it is. It's a lovely place to live, and uh, Floating World is well worth the visit on its own strength if you're a comics fan. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna add on again and again. This is not sponsored by Floating World. No. This is independent. We just really like you, Jason. So um, I recorded uh, an episode uh, um, outside of uh, Floating World Comics in uh, Lloyd Center yeah. uh, Mall. Um, I've uh, there's a tattoo shop, a Mortal Emblem, that's opened up mm. uh, down. Down at the end, I got a tattoo down there after going to the to comic shop. Uh, Floating World Comics, uh, great publisher, uh, great um, uh, comics just to f- uh, find some old-timey, some underground stuff. Um, and uh, you can find them uh, online as well. So not only do we both love this, I record the podcast outside of it. I get my tattoos near it. A lot of floating, yep. uh, world comics, love, uh, uh, Steven, great to meet you in, in, in Portland at the Rose city comic con and, um, lovely having you, uh, on the show and be able to kick around, uh, uh growing up, uh, upstate or in the city. <laughs> Yeah, Roman no, Catholic was, or or Lutheran, and <laughs> yeah, this was great. I, I we could I, I would do another one just about Lutheranism. That was this is always fun. I think. Uh, oh, one further thing before I let yeah. you go, uh, and I I remembered it before. Uh, there's been a couple uh, kind of go berserk comic episodes I had with panels, and these are the longest episodes you'll find in the show. One, oh great, which rained which ranged almost two and a half hours, which was called, uh, um, speaking my uh, language. what if, what if comic book geeks 
got together and talked about what if comics, that type of thing, two and a half hours of that. And the one episode, which I, I don't know if this is up your alley, I suspect you can tell me the, the famous one, which included a, a botanist, uh, a painter and, and a poet and myself was the swamp thing rather than nothing ah, episode, excellent. which All was, right. uh, it seemed like an extensive exploration. I think with the panel that we had, we did an hour and 40 minutes and maybe, you know, when you uh, install in a game and it's about 1%, there's a lot of swamp <laughs> thing. There's a lot of yeah. swamp thing to talk about. I was going to say, I, so, I noticed the uh, Alan Moore on the show on the shelf behind you there. So that probably like right, right behind me. So what I'm saying, Stephen, and for the folks to know, is I'm going to call on on Stephen as a special uh, guest panelist uh, when we do another comic book episode, and uh, oh, going to yeah. ask for your talents and uh, input. So uh, started with what if, moved on to Swamp Thing don't know what's next but i do know i'll be contacting you all right hey that sounds great this has been terrific thanks brother you take care yeah you as well thank you much this is something rather than nothing listeners to stay connected with us and our guests visit somethingratherthannothing.com join our mailing list for exclusive updates and access to guest created art if you enjoyed this episode or any episode please like subscribe leave a review on your podcast platform people really read that shit your support helps us reach more listeners and spread our community across the planet this is a global show, and we like to give a shout out to our many listeners across the world, including many listeners in Canada, Spain, Germany, UK, Argentina, Brazil, India, Thailand, and so many more places. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at something rather than nothing podcast for behind the scenes content. And the best way to help the show is to tell your friends about us. If you love it, they'll love it too. Tell your friends who love it. We love you. This is Something Rather Than Nothing podcast.